So my name is uh, Søren Hermansen, and I'm the manager, director, leader. I don't know. Uh, titles uh, is not so interesting, uh, but I'm in in, uh, in on the island of Samsø in the middle of Denmark, and I'm speaking from the Energy Academy, which is a kind of an energy meeting house uh, that is the center of many visitors and, and many actions on this little island uh, to, to, to make it more sustainable and and. and to kind of point into the future and, and, and build capacity to meet the challenges of climate change. This is the 2.5, Conversations Connecting Innovators. My name is Klaus. I'm an innovation coach in Baden-Württemberg in the southwest of Germany. In this episode of the 2.5 Innovator podcast, my guest is Søren Hermansen. After empowering the local community to change the local energy systems to renewable first, the Samso Energy Academy is supporting communities all around the world in doing so now. We are talking about empowering on many levels and yes, also with electric energy, a community. About a balance of transforming from the bottom up and the top down. About the opportunities of climate change about starting locally and spreading globally. Also, we are talking about navigating the unknown and about the beauty of wind turbines. You can find the podcast on all major podcast platforms. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to updates on the website at the2.5.net where you also find additional information, videos, and a transcript of this episode. The link is in the show notes. Welcome, Søren, to the 2.5 today. Thank you very much for taking the time for this conversation. And you said that you are on Samsung, and I'm sorry that I'm butchering all these names. I think Danish is very difficult to pronounce for people that are not Danish. Uh, so please excuse that, but Samsø is an island in Denmark, uh, in the Baltic Sea. What is around you? Please give us an idea of how the island looks like, or what what do you see when you look outside of the window? Uh, Samsø is a mostly farming farming community. It is uh, I see fields uh, of of grain, wheat, and barley, and some grass. And if I turn around uh, and look to the east. I see the rising sun. It's morning still, uh, and and then we have the sea. And if I look further out, I see Sealand, which is uh, the uh, the bigger island where you have Copenhagen, the Danish capital, is 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 positioned on Sealand. And further away is uh, Sweden <laughs> on the backside of Sealand. I can't see Sweden, but I can see I can see it's about 15, 15 kilometers in direct line from Samsø to Sealand. If I look in the other direction to the west, I see Jutland. And there's a couple of islands uh, between Samsø and Jotland. There's a little bit longer, maybe 20 kilometers to Jotland from the island um, of Samsø. And we see Indelave and Tunø, which is two little islands. And then you have the mainland Jotland, which is a peninsula that is connecting Denmark to Germany, where we have the border near Flensburg and, and, and the south area of, of Denmark. So that's, I mean, we're, we're right in the middle of Denmark, so to speak. 
you are on an island. It's a small island and you have created something very special some years ago uh, around energy on your island. And when you start reading about um, all these changes, all that transformation that uh, you were working on, it looks like that Samsu is a model for sustainability. Is that true? Uh, yes, the Samsu project started long time ago in, in 1997. Uh, we had a minister of the environment, Mr. Sven Augen, the late uh, minister of the environment. He, he passed away some years ago, but he was a really ambitious and very courageous uh, minister, which I think ministers should be. <laughs> and he, he went to Kyoto in Japan, which was then the third COP meeting after Rio in 1992, where the world decided to, to follow the Brundtland um, uh, uh, report, uh, where they talked about biodiversity and, and taking care of the environment, which then became the the, the running COP meetings, uh, where I think we have COP26 now in, in Scotland and uh, this year. So, so, so the third COP meeting was in Kyoto, and he promised my minister that he would announce in Denmark a community that could fulfill the Danish ambition to be 100% self-supplied with renewable energy. And to be running for this competition, we had to send in a master plan indicating how you in 10 years would make this con con uh, what you call it, this transition to uh, renewable energy. And Samsung won this, uh, this competition. And then from 1998, I was the first staff. I was hired to kind of be the manager of the project, which was, I mean, nobody really knew where, where it would go this project, a lot of very conservative old people said, yeah, that's fine. It's from the capitalists, from the parliament and from a minister. They talk a lot and, and they don't know how to, 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 to in practice make this happen. So we had a lot of discussions about this uh, on Samsung. Was this a good project for the island? Could we do it? Uh, would it would it help uh, some of the problems that we, we had here, namely an aging population, uh, lack of good jobs, and the young people moving away to go to the big cities, to go to university and be educated and stuff like that. So, I mean, you probably see that in Germany and many other places also that the rural area is suffering from what we call depopulation and aging population because urbanization is happening while we are speaking here everywhere. Uh, and the big structures are centralized more and more. So, so yes, it was... A, It was kind of a chance that we won this competition and then started a new innovation, uh, which was uh, the transition. Instead of having imported oil and, and fuels from outside, we started producing our own energy locally, which was also transforming the, the, the economical flow. So we could, we could call it a modern version or an old uh, first version of, of circular economy and the thinking of, of good house, household economy where instead of importing and exporting, we started using ourselves, which is a much better, much more healthy economy because it also produces jobs and innovation. And the money you gain from producing and selling energy to your neighbor will then be used to build a new house. Or So it starts, a, a, what do you call it, a, a more, much more uh, balanced economical uh, evolution on, on the island, which is, has been... Uh, very good. And this is also why we are today a good showcase for local innovation and, 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 and development. It started as a competition, but then you had to be willing to take part of that competition. You had to be uh, a group of people that sort of came up with the plan and uh, that supported the plan also. It took time and possibly money to come up with all these plans. Did you have um, 
did did you have enough support in the beginning from the community on Samsu to do to start such a transformation? That's a good question because I mean this is one of the key questions. I'm I'm showing you now uh, just for the audience that I'm showing you the report. So this is actually the 10 year report we wrote for the minister and in this report we we actually indicate year by year how we we were going to make this transition. And that's the technical part. That's kind of the engineering. And for the engineer this is a, a recipe. This is a kind of a manual for transformation. But But it doesn't work when you go out and speak with people. They say that's fine. You can you can go to hell with your manual because um, I have other things to think about. And and this is kind of the I think my biggest achievement in this. Also, I'm not an engineer. I'm actually educated as a farmer, and I have some other short short term educations as well as as a communication uh, person for environmental change. I very quickly the hard way learned that it was not about technology it was not a, it, it was not about the tools but it, it was a process of change that has to be kind of manifested in people's heads so we actually kind of made it a habit to ask the question before somebody gave us the answers which is all in this report that we have all the answers on how to do it but the problem is that you don't understand that if you haven't formulated the question before you get the answers so we had to kind of re reinvent ourselves and, and start asking questions. What is the biggest problem on this island in 1997? It is lack of jobs. We had a big company that just closed down and 100 people got out of work. And that was a big depression on the island. And of course, you could speak to these people from two different dimensions. Either, well, uh, you can move away or you can find another way to live. Or let's look into this new adventure and see if there's any jobs in it. Maybe we, if we... Look at this job. It it could be the answer to our questions, namely, how do we create a steady flow of good jobs that could create an income so people can make a li live life there? They can have kids in the school and they can have their cars mended in the garage and the shops, and everybody will be busy because of action, because of happening, uh, happenings and 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 good good, good structured uh, jobs here. And then people started moving and thinking, oh, maybe we should have a look at this crazy project from Copenhagen, from the capital, from the minister, and and rethink our own, uh, uh, what do you call it, conservative picture or image of this island being a farming island with primary production of pork meat and bacon and potatoes and vegetables. Maybe we could also be energy farmers and produce our own energy. Mm -hmm. And so, so the first one, two years was a long process of a lot of talks and a lot of coffee and a lot of, what do you call it, uh, motivation and, and, and arguing and, and, and stuff like that. And, and I think that was a very healthy process because we needed this discussion on the island. Who are we in 10 to 20 years time and what will happen to this little island and this community? And if we have like a status quo, we don't do anything, what will then happen if we act and do things here? So what could happen potentially if we do something right now and then roll that back, kind of backcast it till today to get to this adventurous point of, of, of evolution in 20 years time? What do we do today, tomorrow, in three days, in three months, and three years? And then starting taking the little steps and, and, and understanding our own role in these steps here. So I think that was... That was a grand adventure for us uh, 20 years ago because it kind of led to a lot of very healthy and very good discussions locally about the destiny of small community. 
So it was a, a process. You were willing to do a process. You were willing to, to participate or support that process to facilitate the process also. And uh, it was not something like a chicken or egg problem where you, <laughs> you solved that problem in a way because uh, people, there was a solution available, but a technical solution but um, you also solved that social innovation side of, of the problem, let's put it that way. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's exactly right. The social, the social relation had to be reconsidered also because I think what is happening in the farming culture is that the, the farming culture was strong in 1920 and 30. There's a lot of hands working there before the industrialization of farmings where you had big tractors and a lot of machinery. There was a lot of uh, person person hands man man hours uh, in in the production of food, uh, and that was a grand period of farming because the, the communities were thriving. There was a lot of people there and a lot of activity. When when mechanization and industrialization happened, then the the number of people needed for producing the same amount of food or even more was shrinking, which is kind of left the farms a little bit out on in the fields alone. And, and the community they were surrounded by before, which was kind of a food chain of, of many things because of, of the centralized far, the central farm which produced all these actions here, the dairies and the slaughterhouse and the, and, and the market and all the other things here disappeared and became supermarkets and, and export only. And that kind of left left a depression and, and, and the farmers are not so easy to kind of uh, <laughs> to kick out. So they kept kind of a power structure in their mind, but they didn't have it in a social relation. So socially, they lost the, 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 the power, but, but uh, what you call influential or lobbying, they still kept the same image of them being very important. So I think they missed the evolution of, or the change of, of time, uh, and they missed realizing that they actually didn't lead anymore. They were not the major, what do you call it, the uh, uh, influencer on how the society was, uh, was formulated. Uh, so this energy project kind of gave, it was a neutral project. It didn't belong to nobody. It was not like farmers giving up. They could still take part because they had the land. They could produce the straw for the biomass bioboilers. The heating system was then fed. Instead of oil, we used straw from the farms and the fields were now covered with windmills and solar panels. So the farmers regained their strength, so, so to speak. So, so, so they became ambassadors for change instead of being kind of resistant uh, opposition and saying, so we need to be in charge, otherwise it doesn't work. So, so it was a nice opportunity to restructure society in a new, new, new way. And it left farmers or people that uh, own land with their original purpose of doing something with that land, harvesting something from that land, It might be crops, it might be straw for renewable energy also, but it might also be wind energy uh, that is provided to the grid and to the community. So these people are getting this importance that they have in their mind back to the community. Yes, exactly. So, so I think we kind of restructured the, the what you call the hierarchy of things, which I think is necessary for society. It's, it's like biodiversity. You need to have big trees and small trees in the forest. Uh, otherwise, it's not a forest <laughs> uh, because the small trees are protecting the big trees for the wind that comes in here and, and, and so on and so forth. It, it, is, it is the connection of things that is important. It's not 
trying to be individual or have the monopoly of things here. It, it is it's a multiple, uh, what do you call it, faceted thing of, um, and and you can't really describe how it works. But there's a certain order that has to be there so people understand that this now we feel safe. It is. It looks like we have we have we have everything under control. If we can say that, it's not really under control, but we we understand the the setting of of things. What you what you had you had a plan. You had some funding. You had some political back uh, uh, backing, and uh, you knew how things work technically. So you had to do some social innovation, and social innovation happens a lot through communication and getting around with people. You said drinking a lot of coffee, coffee which is famous in Denmark, but also uh, it has a lot to do about education. So you need a place that helps others to understand the next steps. And I think this is where the academy comes into into place. How did the academy get started? Was that an, a part of the initial plan? It was kind of, it was in the, it, we, we talked about having an energy house, which was kind of an ex exhibition uh, meeting education place where people could come and meet and stuff like that. And we wanted to have it near the public school so the school kids could use it in the daytime and the, the adults or the, the citizens could use it in a, in the nighttime. It never really happened because we couldn't, I mean, the school, is a, that's two different economies and, and two different systems. So it didn't really work. So in the first 10 years, we didn't have the Energy Academy. We rented space in, in public buildings and other, other places, and we had these meetings. But we learned also, I mean, it was not all funded. Uh, we had a, we have something called the feed-in tariff, which you also have in Germany uh, for wind, wind power and solar energy, where you have a fixed tariff for the kilowatt you export to the grid. So... A net metering arrangement for solar panels and a feed-in tariff for, for wind turbine. We also had that. So when we set up a budget for a wind turbine or for solar park, we needed people to bring in their own money. So so it was also a, a kind of a trust thing where we built little companies, uh, little cooperative ownership models for this also. And that was also an educational process to people to understand that I can be part of this with even small money, but I can invest one share, two shares, five shares in, in, in this project and, and be a member of this also. So it's creating this cooperative feeling of being a member of something that would build up and kind of generate income and you'd have a little profit from it also you could use for other things. It was, was quite interesting because a lot of people are not business people. They are just normal workers and they get a salary every month and, and that's fine. But here they became kind of small-time investors, <laughs> and we had to, to 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 train the bank also and get a new relation with the bank, so they would secure the bank loan, so people could invest their money in new structures and also rebuild the houses, put in more insulation. So it became a food chain of of action where we needed every time we we introduced something new, we needed to have a lot of meetings where we invited specialists from outside to teach people uh, about the consequences of action. So, so capacity building was a very, very uh, crucial factor of, of, of the innovation. If we, we, because in, information and knowledge is key to, to decisions and action. People don't, they, they, they're afraid of doing things if they don't know, if they go into the unknown, uh, they become unsure and then it, it becomes a, an uncomfortable process. To make people more comfortable, you need to bank to say, this is a good idea. And then people say, ah, whew, that was nice because I, I don't like to speak to the bank about bank loans because they already say to me, you have too many bank loans. You need to cut down <laughs> your economy. And and, and, and so, so we needed to kind of pave the way, so, so to speak, and make it easy for people. Not, not totally easy, but make it easier so people could go into this new endeavor and try something they never tried before. 
and and help them be comfortable and and not lose it or not making mistakes because we also knew that if we made too many mistakes in this then the people would say oh this is dangerous so let's stay out of it um so so after 10 years we then built the energy academy we got enough money and funding to build this house here and since then we had a growing number of visitors from all over the world and we still do municipal and town meetings also for people here if there's something we need to to discuss then it happens here at the academy um so people accept this as as the meeting house for energy and 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 sustainable development are you organized as a cooperative as a genossenschaft uh, in german yes 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 Uh, cooperative is yeah. a very smart way to uh, sort of build ownership uh, in a larger thing, which is originated, I think, from agricultural uh, problems uh, of having of sharing, say, uh, heavy machinery for farmers. Yes, no, no, we use that model quite a lot because this is well known here in the farming community. That 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 is a respected and well known way to organize. So, 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 why not use it? Because people already have uh, trust in this um, this uh, ownership structure. And then the other thing is, it is a not-for-profit uh, uh, structure. We don't get, generate money here. So, if we make any money, it's in a property we reinvested in society immediately. So, so, so the owners are not taking out money for themselves for private use. It's all designed in in the ownership model that. Every income here is either used for hiring people to help us do things or to invest in new structures. Right now, we're actually looking at the infrastructure for electric vehicles uh, because we need more charging points, like charging stations where we can plug in and, and charge our vehicles here, and which is not happening automatically because this is the free market that is supposed to do that. And they don't do it because we, we are so few people here. But we have a lot of visitors in the summertime, a lot of tourists. So we need to service them so they safely can bring their electric vehicle here and plug in. And we have a lot of German visitors here also in the, in, in the summertime. And they, they bring their plug-in vehicles. And, of course, they need electricity. And if they couldn't get it on an energy island, where, where can they get it? <laughs> <laughs> and since it's fresh electricity, it's even better. And your car drives much yeah. better that way. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, exactly. I know we drive a, an electric car, uh, a Volkswagen ID3, and it's great. It's just so different and it's not different at all. Um, but it's a good feeling to know that uh, a wind turbine, a, uh, a natural source has produced the, the electricity to drive uh, mm. the car. So you created the academy that was mainly focused in the beginning on communicating and teaching and aligning and um bringing together local people to start that movement on the island, to start that transformation on the island. But that somehow has transformed also because now you are inviting, or for many years you are inviting people from outside the island, from all over the world to teach about the results of what you were doing and about, say, visioning of the future, uh, of uh, the future of, of energy also. And uh, how has that transformed uh, the academy? How many people are coming, for example, each year? And I know right now with COVID, everything is different, but... What is what is going on on that level? You are you are sort of reaching out now. What is your impact mm. there? Who is coming? I just saw a, a, a newspaper article from Denmark where somebody is complaining we are we are not doing enough internally in Denmark for climate uh, reduction or CO2 reduction. And then there was a, a list of of countries where Denmark is 
operating. I think 20, 25 uh, countries around the world where Denmark is involved in some kind of energy transition or support to erect wind turbines or to cut down on on coal energy in Indonesia or a sector program with with uh, with the Japan or something like that. And and I I ran through that list and in 18 of those 20 countries we have been working. <laughs> so 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 we are you could say we have been I mean I, I I I'm sorry to say that but I I before covid I was traveling sometimes 100 days a year uh, all over the world which is my 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 own private CO2 emission is not so good but uh, I'm also part owner of wind turbines and forest and trees so I'm compensating a little bit for this also but there's a great need for these discussions so the community model that Samsu has been or is now is is greatly asked for around the world as an as a door opener how do we make an, a new project in Indonesia you have 250 million people living in Indonesia and it's mainly coal. The economy is coal because they have coal in the underground. And it's a poor country. It's, it's a development country. And they they have to use that coal to to, to, to produce enough uh, capital to, to run this big country with so many people. So they were devastated by an earthquake on the island of Lombok next to Bali. And Lombok was, was ruined quite a lot badly. And the global aid programs, they, they started helping them. And Denmark's contribution was to say, we will give you some money, but we will ask you to invest it in green infrastructure, which means that you will rebuild Lombok, but in a more sustainable way and start using wind turbines and solar panels and, and, and systems that we have been successfully developing in, in, uh, in, in the Western world and try to introduce that. But for this, you need a process and learn how to use it and adapt this like we had to train to do it in Denmark. And let's use the Samsung example. So we are partners in an international aid program that helps these people organize a new technological evolution, which is more green and more sustainable than it was before. And these people will come back to Samsung on study tours and we'll produce workshops here at the academy where we'll train the trainers uh, in how to to make the energy systems and send them back home so they can they can be their own teachers uh, after this. So this is kind of that we we act as door openers and make these connections and networks and bring people back and train them and start having a global network of entrepreneurs who can who can work with sustainable development. Uh, and we do that generally all over the world. We before COVID we had like three four thousand visitors per year at the academy. Uh, which is maybe not a lot as seen in a big perspective, but they are all kind of workshop uh, participant. It is a, it is a big number to work with because we keep working with them after they leave the island. It, it's kind of a constant uh, developing network of of, uh, of practitioners, which I think is really beautiful. So you provide your expertise internationally. You use that to bring people also to your island so that they learn more about the, your processes, about your best practices, your next practices also. And um, mm -hmm. but who is coming? Is it like policymakers? Is it engineers? Is it creative people, entrepreneurs? What's uh, like? Is there a focus? It's all kinds of people. It's very interesting. It depends on what level of evolution you are in. Sometimes it's presidents and kings and 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 I mean ministers from 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 different places. I mean we have we've had it all here, 
And sometimes it's a group of farmers from a farming community in Finland, or it could be a group of citizens from the town of Wolfhagen in Germany, uh, where you have energy vendor or, or, or you have a sustainable energy development where they want to see they are doing very good themselves, but, but they want to kind of go out and be more inspired and, and do more here. Or it could be students from a university in uh, in Japan who has sustainability as their main master, and and they they go they come here and stay for a while to to learn about this. So it's kind of it's all levels of community. Uh, I mean, we also had a group of high housewives from America, who housewives for sustainable <laughs> uh, development. So I think we can't really name them in in one group, but it it is it is organizations who are either in the starting position or in in the middle of a of a development process where they 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 realize that we need to know more we need to learn more and be inspired uh, to to take the next step mm-hmm. and for this i'm i'm now showing you one of the the the, the projects here which is called here um, a guide for local pioneer communities which is kind of a, a guidebook a handbook we use when we do these processes and it's 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 divided in in um, in, in many different uh, cards, uh, where we use them as inspiration for the for the talks we have here, and and this guide is 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 formulated as 20 years of experience on Samsung condensed in 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 sentences. Nice. <laughs> and, yeah, and it's really it is a nice tool because this is it's called here, and I I have it in my bag when I travel around the world. In a, I'm, I've been working with First Nations in Canada. For many years, also, I'm a mentor in a in a First Nation program because they have a lot of off-grid communities, and I bring this this guide, and it says here, which yeah. is it's in the middle of Canada here, so it's always here, because this is where it's all about. I mean, you have to have a starting point, which is here, right here. We are in the right state, place, in the right position, and the starting point is now here. Uh, and I love this because this is this is making Samsung just an example, not a model. And we can inspire each other because it is all about here where they live, the other guys. And I think that is that is maybe the most important for me to 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 say that Samsung is not really a, a recipe for change, but it's it's an inspiration for other people. And this is where you meet really pe- real people face to face and you can ask them questions about how do you feel about this? And you have this farmer, or this uh, plumber, or this uh, politician saying, well, it's a challenge to live here. There's a lot of things we need to take care of and, and have this realistic check-in. It's not just the fashionable showcase. It is, it is, it's a real life experience. I told you in the beginning that I really love Denmark and I think this is one of these examples why Denmark is so great and and you really have to respect it also there's so much going on in a different way of of uh, looking at things um so you have just mentioned one thing of how academia can uh, be turned into action into practice is there another thing another like a next step that you um, you advise to do if somebody came to you for example uh, but wants to start something similar than you have done on Samsung as a community I think one of the things I've had I have learned I'm I still I'm still learning in the in these processes because things are also changing evolution is happening while we're speaking I have have here on my wall also the 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 UN development goals so you have like the 17 UN development goals and everybody is saying that this is really good and I I agree this this is really good but again it creates kind of a feeling of centralizing decision making like how can you have a global uh, commitment to this also because you need in my head you need to boil it down 
to to the here <laughs> because you can't say yes i agree and you have all these emblems where you have the the 17 development goals and i sometimes in a provoked situation i say you should take them off and melt them remelt them and make shovels and spades and tools so you can start changing the world instead of just talking about it and and i know there's a lot of political work to do to to make commitments from states and and make re- laws and regulatories and f- and make funding also for for change here so i don't try to be ignorant or arrogant but i just say for local people it can sometimes be very abstract to hear about all the the, the targets and the goals and things here also where they miss the here the feeling of what do i do what what can i do here also and and to start this discussion I very often open with a with a why, not how, because a lot of people want to have the how answered e- immediately. How do we do this? And then you have the answers and you can start doing it. I, I'd rather start with a why should we make change? What's your why? And and because it, this brings in, in more social, psychological and human thinking in, in the equation instead of just technology and money and political decisions. It, it's also like a social movement where you – you help each other being more brave and courageous so you can step into this new endeavor here instead of being kind of punished by threats of climate change it's going to be hell in in a few years because we have rising temperatures and sea levels and stuff like that ah oh, yeah i know so what can i do i mean let's have another beer uh, <laughs> i think i think it's more like it, 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 there's, there's, there's things that we need to take care of. It's kind of a household economy, and this is making things more possible. That is my job. I, I, I like the possibilities. I don't like to be an ignorant or naive optimist, but I, I like to be optimistic anyway, because life is here and we need to live it. That's our duty to, 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 to produce a good life. <laughs> And, and and do it in respect with all our other life, which is also in connection with nature and 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 what's surrounding us. Where centralized development has limits to how how detailed they can go um, with with this also. So they they forget about the biodiversity. They talk about it, but they forget about it because they are not biodiversity. Where I feel more connected with living on a small island, I know my sea around us. I know how many fish there is in it. I know if there's no no fish here, and I start wondering why. How come there's no more fish? Maybe it's because we have been overfishing or polluting the waters or stuff like that. Because I'm living in my society, where a lot of the politicians who speak about the UN Development Goals and other things, they live in a big city and they fly around in an airplane most of the time, so they don't live in the environment they are talking about. And I think this disconnect is one of the major problems of society. So I think the big job is to bring people back to having a relation with the nature they are talking about. And so they, instead of talking about nature, they become nature, if you understand. And I, I think that is sustainability in a nutshell. Uh, and, and seen from my perspective, this is where we can act and and module. And I think everybody has this little room, this little feeling of 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 being part of something bigger, and they remember the the time when they sitting around the campfire and, and looking at the stars and having a really great time and 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 getting kind of feeling that that you this the, the the world is bigger than you and 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 you're just a particle <laughs> and it's crazy and and what can you do? I, I think that is that's that sometimes you need to get to that point. And also, you need to have. Uh, ways to envision the future. You said you need to create images, positive images. And that's something I do a lot in my work also. 
because it helps others to see what could be there as a scenario, as a goal, as a something, as a dream even, which, which can then create actions and tasks. I understand that you do also work in that uh, visioning sector. Is there a method that you like uh, a lot? What, what do you do to help others create their positive image of the future? Well, we, we have used different different meeting forms uh, during time because I mean, the, the, the people are getting smarter and smarter also. I mean, we, we, we use something we call evolutionary leadership. Which is which is that we don't have a steady leadership like hierarchic top-down leadership in 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 this structure, and we try to have a rolling or rotating leadership where we believe that leadership is 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 about navigating in the unknown, and 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 to do that we we every every year one or two times we have we now not COVID prevented us to have it last year, but we we'll, we hope we can do it again. We have a we have a big open space meeting. So the open space meeting needs a lot of preparation because it's not just a meeting. It is the meeting where you get everybody together in a big meeting. And we have like very big circles of, of people. We can be up to 100 and 130 people in, in, in two, three circles where we sit outside each other. And then we put the burning questions inside the middle of the of this circle. And we start talking about what is the most important to focus on in the next for the next 10 years. And and we we update that every now and again, and people are getting have getting used to it, and they like this format because it, there's no there's no physical leader in it. We have a moderator, we have somebody who will lead us through the process, but the mayor is not the leader that day, and the director of the big company or the big farmer they are not the leaders. We take their hats off and say, you had your your you leave your 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 position in the in the, in the, in, the, in the entrance, and then you come in as a person. And of course, we know you possess some capacity and some power here. Also, so we don't we don't ignore that. But you, we don't talk to you as the mayor. But but you can talk from your own position and what you see and what you think is is has to happen here. And before we have the open space, we have learned that a good we call it a priming of the meeting. The priming is like when you paint. The wall, then you put primer on first and then the real paint afterwards. Otherwise, the real paint will not really cover. So priming is, is doing the ground, the basic work before, before you do the, the visual work. Priming is, is inviting like all the key players, all the leaders, both the, 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 the obvious leaders and, and the what you call natural leaders. We have also people who are leaders by nature because they are they have they possess some capacities in leading processes. And when they stand up and say something, people listen to them because they are respected for their insight and their intelligence and their and the way they can organize. And 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 we call that shared space. So we before an open space we have a shared space meeting where we talk about what is What is happening in society? What is the, uh, what is the challenges? What is the possibilities? And what is the barriers for, for, for the development? So we are well prepared for this. Because if we ignore this and have an open space meeting where people are just out of their mind thinking about, oh, it could be nice to do this and this and this. If it, it doesn't have a basis, then it becomes visions only. And visions only are dangerous because then people go home and then what? I mean, so Monday morning, it's it's a normal work day, and, and re, re, reality kind of kicks in and <laughs> and put you in, uh, back in the same position as you had before. To create these little what do you call it nurseries of of new thinking and new news, you have to do it from the positions you have today, 
And and to have that, you have a trusting kind of ex- examination of what that level is. So the shared space provides the question that we then talk about in the open space. Mm-hmm. Because then you're, you, you can be sure that somebody is actually... They are holding these questions as a newborn baby. I mean, this is my <laughs> this is my responsibility to carry this idea and and make it live, and nurse it and feed it so it it grows and becomes something. I don't want to get too technical, but the two problems are, or the two issues I always face here is how do you get people to understand that they have to take their hats off or wear another hat in that uh, circle? And the other thing is, what is a next step after which appropriate time of visioning to get into action? I think sometimes leaders also like to have their hats taken off. And not not be responsible every time they stand up. They they are kind of the leader here. I, especially in a small community where you meet the mayor in the in the supermarket or you meet the the, the director in the football match and stuff like that. You you have different hats on in different locations already. So it's maybe easier for us. I mean, if I meet meet a minister in Copenhagen on the street, it's very unusual. And and I, even if I know this person, then it's very difficult to, to have like an informal conversation with this person because he's surrounded by a secretary and maybe security and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's totally different. I mean, everybody is just, I mean, doing their shopping as 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 the, it is more normal, so so to speak. So so taking people's hats off is is just an agreement we do here, and and people like that that they are not responsible all the time, 24 hours a day, but they can actually step out of their role and, and take part of a process here. And also because we have trained quite a lot, people can see that this has a lot of benefit, a lot of advantages uh, to do this. The other thing is also when we then have, we finalize the days and we sum up on all the processes that happened during that day. People call meetings and say, I'd like to talk about this. And if nobody shows up, then they can leave this meeting, go to another meeting. We have this open process structure where a, a good idea is maybe not a good idea because it's only you who believe it's a good idea. <laughs> so, so you need to respect that some ideas is not mature. They are not ready yet. And other ideas is more obvious and people will follow these ideas. And then you have like three, four good ideas that we then finally sum up and say, how do we, how, what's the progress of these ideas and how do we make them live and, and become stronger? And then we make uh, agreements and people write their phone numbers and their email addresses on the statements so we can call them and re and, and, and restart the meetings with this commitment. Say, we already signed up. We put our names and our telephone number, which is a commitment to make this happen. And I think this is, this is where it becomes realistic that the commitments are our kind of uh, pr- proof of, of, of action that this, this will happen. How important is partnering in this context? Nobody can do something really big all by himself or herself. Um, do you help to find partners uh, to start something that has come out of such a, a process? The Energy Academy try to be neutral, so we are not a partner, but we, we we operate very often as a project secretary. So in the in the construction or in the birth or the beginning of a process, there's always a need for somebody who writes the minutes and send out invitations and do all these sort of things. And we know this is a crucial point of, of any new project's life, that, that we have the organization structure in hand. What we then can do is when we start asking questions, say to them, okay, we will find the expert who can help us in this process or another expert who can help us in this process. So we try to kind of 
instead of believing we can do everything ourselves, we, we, we bring in, we invite capacities from outside who can help us organize and get to the point where, we, where, where things start moving uh, by themselves. And, and these, I mean, the, the, the acceptance of ignorance is, is important, that you actually make people understand that it's okay to say, I don't understand. <laughs> it's okay to say, I don't know how to do this. But the idea is still good. So maybe we can bring in some some expertise who can help us get over that point. So we start uh, the process. Um, and, and we have a great network in, the, in Denmark and, and other places also that will come and help us. I like this idea and that uh, that that's something a place that creates so many so much impact packed on different levels uh, a lot what what do you recommend somebody that wants to start something similar in another country um, maybe around the globe doesn't matter just what would be some some appropriate first ideas visions or steps uh, to take to do something similar that uh, you do to create a similar impact When you have a community, a defined community, it could also be like a block of houses in a city where you say to, we need, I mean, why we, we need parking, parking places, but there's more and more cars. Where do we park our cars? So maybe we can start with that. And what if we then make free parking for electric vehicles? And what if, I mean, there's, there's many things you can do here, but, but, but start with a problem. If you have some problems or kind of a necessary, necessary action, You can see obviously in front of you, we need to do something about this. And instead of having a wish for, for helping the world and, and be very idealistic, a lot of people are not idealistic at the same time. So if somebody have this great idea to save the planet and, and he calls a lot of people, says, let's save the planet. And people say, to me, that's fine. You can do that. But I'm busy. I, I, I Maybe next Monday I can come back. <laughs> <laughs> but if you say we have a problem that a practical problem, I mean, energy, energy prices for heating has grown too much. Maybe we can make a collective heat pump system and, and organize this in a new way. Is anybody interested? And all the house owners will say, yeah, that's interesting because I think it's too expensive to heat the houses with gas from Russia, uh, stuff like that. So, so if you can point out some key necessary points of action where people kind of can relate immediately to this, this problem, and if you can solve this problem by some local uh, collective cooperative action, then I think you have a case. Then, then, then that's, that's a good idea as a starting point. Then it can grow with other points also. But if you start with a high vision about very, very ambitious goals, then my, my experience is that a lot of people will be afraid of that. This is just a lot of blah, blah and hot air and talks. And somebody wants to promote him or herself as a politician or as, a, as an NGO. And people will run away from that. Mm. Uh, exception is the, the the students' green movement and the university. I mean, you see some young people like the Greta Thunberg effect is there also. They don't necessarily have a direct purpose out beside from asking the adults, the grown-ups, the politicians to act now. <laughs> which I think is a very simple purpose, but very important also. But, uh, and, and you can say they don't have their own house yet. And these guys, they, they don't have like a societal responsibility to, to feed a family. So I think the best they can do is to stand up and say, somebody needs to grow up and do something here, which I think is nice. But, but that's different from a local community uh, action. I, I just want to point that out. There's nothing wrong with having high uh, expectations about change. But, but, but a local project starts... 
identifying some local problems that is obvious from many different points of view and people can see themselves in that. I think that is a really strong starting point if you want to do some action locally. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's very, very important to be idealistic at the same time, but it might not be the only motivation to start something. And uh, it, it, also, it also depends on how what your age is, as you said. Um, I'm 50. I have different priorities and a different view on, on things, and I need to care a lot more about other things than or some practical things than just idealism for example and this is mm. completely turned around for people that are 20 for example but that is a driving force in society that is progressing society also maybe it's not always comfortable but it's helping to progress uh, things in society so actually that's also a point of interest for a local community If we, in the beginning of this conversation, we talked about depopulation and aging population in many local communities. So we are actually somehow missing the revolutionary young guys who can stand up and say, we want change and we want change now. Because this is where they push the elder generation, like I'm in, I'm in even older than you are. So, 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 so I'm very comfortable in my own, what do you call it, organization structure. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have this urge for change uh, uh, now. But but I sometimes need a kick in my uh, behind uh, as to, to kind of uh, rethink yet that there's a there's a future for these guys which is like 40, 50 years ahead of them where where we need to rethink how we in a big circle kind of reconstruct the world in a sustainable way with these guys on board not just have it as like a generational uh, work here the 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 the, the, the multiple. Uh, faceted um, insight is really important. So I'm, I appreciate also that you, you recognize this. I think it's really, really important. Well, it's the 20-year-old in me that is saying that because I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of very driven in, in some ways and also limited on in other ways. Um, I have a background as an architect and I worked a lot with solar energy and renewable energy uh, very early in the 90s and uh, also did some regenerative energy research and consulting. So that was kind of my basic thing I'm, I'm operating from. So it's not new to me to build wind turbines or use uh, solar panels and and reduce energy consumptions uh, so it just took the, so the society uh, a long time to realize that there is importance in that issue um, so I'm, I'm really glad that we are having this conversation right now with an expert in in the field of of uh, transforming energy. Let's put it that way. And uh, what I was wondering is how important is energy to you? What is energy to you? What does it mean to you personally? <laughs> so, so I mean, energy is a, is a is a basic. Uh, what you call a resource for society to turn around. Energy is 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 in my uh, in in my image uh, food resources in general and 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 fuel and and fuel can be many things here also. So I think energy is 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 I mean outside my windows right now we have sunshine and it's producing kind of a photosynthesis into the plants. This is also like an energy generator that makes the plants grow. So so. So energy for me is is a life uh, is a life uh, straw that is that is making us tick. I mean, th th this is basically what it is. When we then transform this energy flow into kind of a market-driven economical factor, 
then energy becomes uh, money. It becomes a uh, it becomes a resource that can be uh, what do you call it uh, due to, to to market mechanism and market economy. And then we start uh, re- what do you call it? We start um, re- withdrawing from the bank, so to speak. Because the flow of energy is is all natural energy that flows into the system, and we can use without harming the balance of energy. Oil and gas is is in the deposit. It's in the bank. <laughs> we put it in the bank long time ago, <laughs> and it's actually supposed to be to, to stay there. Uh, we can use a little every now and again. That's fine. We have eruptions of volcanic activity. We have other things here also. We can use. I mean, Icelandic people are very good at it. They just put a. <laughs> no, just it's not. It's actually very complicated, but they, but they regenerate the vol- volcanic activity, which is also a natural flow, uh, somehow. But when we start digging for coal and drilling for oil, then we 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 add uh, energy to the natural flow, which is then bringing things out of balance. So for me, energy energy is is the constant flow of natural energy, which is in all resources and and and, and all situations. And this is where this is where I think we are compromised by by a speculative market that is investing in in fossil fuels, and and this is give, giving us inflation and and problems uh, to a degree we can't control, which I think is really bad. So it's common sense to produce uh, wind, solar, regenerative energy and replace uh, all these other sources that are non-renewable sources of energy. Yes, that, that is the main purpose. Let's keep it in the ground. How do you personally feel towards nuclear energy? I don't like nuclear energy, but, but I, I can see some are arguing that if we want to get rid of CO2 emissions and, and, and stuff like that, then, 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 uh, then safe and modern nuclear energy is, is much better than any other, uh, other fuels here also. And I kind of agree with them. I mean, to, when, speaking from my own personal point of view, I think we should avoid it because it's, it's again a market thing. And somebody is having the control over a centralized production and send it out to a distributed system also. If you don't have that, that as a state-controlled unit, then you are in the hands of some, I mean, of the market. And the market is an unpredictable custom to be friends with. I mean, it's because it's it's also speculation. And somebody wants to make money out of it. And I I, I think the flow of energy should be kind of an, an accessible facility for everybody. It should be free, more or less. I mean, we could organize it via the tax paying, but I don't understand why energy is is a market thing. Mm. But that's because somebody has an interest in keeping it that way. And this is also one of the uh, one of the challenges in Denmark right now. We have more and more centralized energy systems. So the wind turbines are growing bigger. The solar panels are growing bigger. And they are now invested in by the former fossil fuel guys. They have seen now green is good. So they move their interest into into uh, to, to green to green energy, which I mean should be successful we should say yeah that's good we won this and the market is now um, interesting for for capital investors but the problem is they only see the market thing of it they don't see the social impact of it also so so they centralize things because it's more efficient and they take away what we what we built as a local innovator for for creating jobs and 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 growth uh, locally um, and we we should be careful about that, and that's also my argument against nuclear power. This is so centralized and so dangerous because it doesn't produce anything in uh, uh, locally for for nobody. Mm. But it it could be it could be to be honest, it could be a, a, a solution for for the emission of of CO two. Mm, but it's it's questionable. 
this is what what Bill Gates claims uh, famously I know. Uh, that it's yeah. it's basically the last 10% of energy that we can produce uh, in other ways or that we can store in other ways and i i share very much of, of what you said i just think people don't think about the waste the waste of nuclear energy which is around for millions of years it will be dangerous for hundreds and thousands of generations to come mm. and uh, nobody 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 has a solution for that nobody uh, besides uh, dumping it in the baltic sea or something right so um that's not a solution uh, no. um so it's tricky it's a, energy is a tricky thing uh, in a way because Absolutely. we, we yes, expect it to be there but in in a way it's it has to be provided in a very uh difficult way I told you I, I was an architect uh, a long time ago. My my focus was more on concept and, and creativity and uh, creating something together. So it was not really aesthetics. But let's talk about beauty. Hmm. I just saw a, a video um, about uh, soul, wind energy in Texas. And uh, they showed these two cowboy type of people sitting on their horse with Stetsons and cowboy boots and uh, in front of wind turbines uh, surrounded by cattle. And uh, the older person said, I really hated wind turbines. I thought they were ugly. Then I discovered I can make $10,000 per year for each wind turbine just for providing the land. Now, after installing 70 wind turbines, I think they are beautiful. What do you think? The main argument against wind turbines is always, 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 I don't like the looks of it. It's beauty. It's something very, very individual that you actually can't really discuss about, especially not in a democracy where, well, the individual is important, but the individual's feelings is not always that important. But you have to handle all these things on a local community level. So do you like wind turbines? Do you think they're beautiful? I think they are. And uh, how do you come up with a solution or an answer to these questions? Is it important to be to see the beauty in wind turbines or not? I think the beauty comes with a with a practical reason for them to be there. I mean, if you if you have you, you can list up what would make you more what do you call it uh, more happy about uh, being a neighbor to a wind turbine, uh, because I think it it is we we have a lot of very abstract and very creative arguments against wind turbines. Uh, they kill a lot of birds and they, they do all kinds of things. Uh, they, they make low frequency noise so you can't sleep and it, it makes you nervous and stuff like that. We, and we have like, like three year studies of people's uh, physics and, and mental health and they can't see anything. It, it is, it is all, it is all think. I mean, I don't, I, 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 I'm trying not to be ignorant, but, but I think, I believe it's, it's about the disconnect to things where on Stamsu, we, you spend a lot of time talking about the next generation wind turbine we had some old wind turbines and they were positioned in different places on samsung like little 55 kilowatts up to 250 kilowatt very small wind turbines from the 80s and we then said we can take them down because they were very noisy and they were speedy they they ran very fast so the rotation was stressful also they were not nice to look at in the same way they had these lattice towers also now we have these tube towers and this, the rotation is really slow very big wind turbine and we could replace 
many wind turbines with few wind turbines because they were bigger. And then we could also make a new position and put them where they made the most sense, not necessarily in front of people's windows. And, and, and the last argument was to say, what if we then invite everybody who can see them to be part owners of the wind turbines? Like we have the cooperative ownership model as a, as a, as a what do you call it, a principle for the erection of wind turbines. Everybody who can see them will be invited to be co-owners. And that helped a lot. I mean, if you are a co-owner of a wind turbine, then it looks much better. It sounds better. It's, it's, it's your wind turbine. It's there because you, you, you were invited to be part of the process. It's again about evolutionary leadership that you understand. It's not about my right as a farmer to put my wind turbine on, on my land. It's my land. It's been for generations. I can do whatever I want on my land. Yes, but you now put in a construction that is 100 meters high, and it can be seen, it can be seen from every dorf and village around uh, in, in, in your area. So you are not a very nice neighbor uh, if, you, if you claim this to be your right. Your right is also to be a nice person to your neighbors. And behave like a citizen and, and 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 a community person in this also. And a lot of farmers here, they understand that. And we can talk about it because we meet the same farmer in the supermarket, in in the football club and other places also. It's not nice to be the stupid guy that is uh, uh, too selfish and egoistic in his in his partner. So I think it was it was not easy, but but it made it easier for us to have this discussion before we erected the wind turbine. So we could have the planning according to some local values about ownership and participation and social in, uh, inclusion uh, in, in how to do it. I have seen some really bad examples also in Denmark, but maybe even more in Germany. In the northern part of Germany, when you cross the border, then you drive into kind of a wind area uh, that goes all the way across the northern part of Germany, where you have a lot of wind turbines. And I think you being an architect, I think somebody should have looked at this landscape and said, we need to place these wind turbines according to the landscape. So we don't have this type here and this type next. So it, it becomes one big like forest of wind turbines with many different models and scales and sizes. <laughs> and this is making everybody kind of confused and said, this is not nice. This is spoiling the landscape. So I think there's a, some some design that, that has to be taken care of also that you put the wind turbines in, 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 a, in, a, in a smart way that you think about. Um, landscape planning uh, at the same time mm -hmm. and I think you can solve a lot of problems then they can look nice they can actually make the landscape more beautiful even I mean they can kind of stretch the landscape and make it higher and <laughs> Yeah, it, it can really add to to the landscape. I always have to think of land art uh, artists, uh, which used yeah. to be big in the 60s and 70s. And there's so many incredible pieces of art that came out of that movement. Uh, so I, I, to me, wind turbines are oftentimes uh, land art. But uh, you, you were touching uh, on a, a subject that is, um, I think, asking for the balance of top-down and bottom-up transformation. Because... Um, yes, a community will provide the basis for the wind turbines, for example, but at least in Germany, there's a lot of uh, planning, uh, regional planning and, and stuff like that, that is sort of a, a top down thing uh, that creates regulations of where to put wind turbines or build streets and stuff like that. So it's it, there needs to be a balance of these two things. Do you have an idea of how to do this best? I mean, you, Samsu, and, and, and your academy was created by a political instrument called a, a competition. 
that's very that's a very crucial, very central question. I, I think what we need is a top-down framework, like a political decision, like you had in Germany also, like you had the the, the solar uh, evolution. You also have had 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 a, a national uh, wind policy where you had like a feed-in tariff, a fixed market organization structure, where you kind of lay out the frame where we as local bottom-up uh, actors can can move within. So the frame is given to us by the top-down administration because your government, your country wants to be more sustainable or have a, have a greener policy or more green energy. That's a political decision. But how it's going to be organized is then up to the bottom-up level where we can navigate within the frame politically that is given to us and the, and the, and the financial uh, con- con- conditions uh, for the project. I think that is uh, it goes hand-in-hand. And I think a smart government will will do it this way and and give autonomy to local communities so it'll grow from bottom up because then you avoid some of the resistance and and no no to new nuclear or no to wind or no to solar uh, because we're not in we're not included uh, and I think you can get more inclusion if you understand the 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 value of bottom up and and top down working hand in hand. I'd like to shortly talk about your your logo, the, your logo, and I will show all these things that we have discussed in in the show notes. Uh, also, the, the the logo, which is sort of something, a lot of sticks and individual lines forming <laughs> a circle and a center, a a, a focus point. Um, what yeah. is what was the reasoning behind that? I think this is you, you already talked about it, but could you say it again, please? It's a circle. At the same time, it's it's many different directions within the circle. So the circle is crucial to this also. But within this circle, you have a lot of different, um, what do you call it, uh, action points. Together, they formulate a circle. If you see it in the distance, uh, I have an image on the wall over there somewhere. There's, there's kind of a T-shirt image. And, and if you see it in the distance, it's also like a sun. Uh, it, it, it is this circular, what do you call it, image of... Of, of action where everything has a center and then it spreads from the center and I think this this is this this is again also the here and and many other things that we respect the individual action we can't control that this is happening because of something and then if you then have a, a, a centered energy then it'll happen from there it's it's a reaction it's not a nuclear reaction but it's a, it's a it's a reaction to uh, some kind of entity that we we can produce uh, together. So I think that that is what, what I mean. That is the pre-discussion we had before we accepted the logo and and we created this image of of, of, of evolution. So that was great. Thank you very much. This was so helpful, and uh, it's good to see something being portrayed that will help other people to start something similar that you did as to start a similar process. I'm I, I'm do this because. Um, I don't know. It's a hobby or I want to change yeah. things. I, I don't know. It's lots of time, but it's really helpful what you did today, I think. Thank you very much again. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Come visit someday so we can have a coffee or a beer and talk. That was my conversation with Søren Hermansen, the director of the Energy Academy in Samsø, a Danish island in the Baltic Sea. In the end of our conversation, we also talked about the Energy Academy's Pioneer Guide, which I will link in the show notes. 
on the Pioneer Guide, you can see most of what is what is in here uh, on the website. This this is actually we don't usually send this around. We use this as a tool for workshops. So it's not easy to read on your own. I mean, you can be inspired by it. It's very nice. Uh, it's very nice design and and layout. Mm-hmm. And the cards and the cards inside um, is 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 organized. You could say as this one a strong. Sustainable and robust community must share locality, activity, and mentality. Mm-hmm. And this is something what, what we talked about. The mentality part is always the most difficult. How do you create a common mentality in the society? But on the flip side, we have experiences from the island where we describe what what happened in, in our community because we condense this. We spend quite a lot of time interviewing people about their experiences. What did they learn that particular day? What were the thinking and stuff like that? And another one is about leadership. This is this one. I like this one a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Power without uh, love is uh, coarse and ruthless. Love, love without power is uh, sentimental. Um, and you could say that th- th- this is a local community. We need to bring power and love together. So the inspirational NGOs and hippies, they can, they can teach the business guys uh, that there's something else than money <laughs> and, and, and inspiration uh, will be produced here also. And, and again, on the flip side, then then we have all the findings here. How did we organize an ownership model where the business guys would give way for uh, for other people to participate? So we had a common and genuine feeling of ownership. So we could create a mentality of of belonging and 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 create a uh, feeling of ownership without being real owners, but have a mental ownership and say to them, "This is a nice project. I like it, but I also accept that." We need the business guys aboard on board because we can't we can't carry this uh, development um, only with vicious uh, and 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 visions. Uh, we also need some practitioners who can actually make it happen. And 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 these talks are are brilliant. This is the two point five conversations connecting innovators. If you like the show. Please subscribe to it in your favorite podcast app. Subscribe to the newsletter and share your excitement. You can find all the links, additional videos and the transcript of the episode on the2.5.net. The link is in the show notes. My name is Klaus. I'm an innovation coach in Baden-Württemberg in the southwest of Germany. This is the 2.5 Conversations Connecting Innovators. Innovators.